Welcome back to Killer Fun, where we explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we're going to talk about the first episode of the second season of You. We talked about You about a year, a little over a year ago now. Has Uh, it been that long? It has been that long because it was on Lifetime. Oh, um, and then then it came to Netflix. In the fall of like 2018, and they were going to do a second season on Lifetime, but it didn't do well enough. I could see this not doing well well enough on Lifetime. uh, Yeah. Well, as a weekly serial, it's a little, little more challenging, even though I did watch it when it was on Lifetime because I heard about it and I was like, I am here for that. But see, it's right up your alley. I can (laughs) imagine your typical Lifetime watcher to maybe feel like this was a little dark. True. And that's what I love about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And well, and I loved Gossip Girl. So Penn Bagley was in Gossip Girl and I loved that. And I was like, yes, I'm here for that. I didn't see anything lacking in his performance in season one, Mm-mm. but I have to tell you, he pulled it out in season two. I didn't stepped ex- it up. I didn't expect to like season two, maybe better maybe than better. season one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're only going to talk about the first episode because we don't want to spoil the whole thing for you in the event that you haven't watched it. But if you have watched it all and want to talk about something specific with us, by all means, hit us up on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Killer Fun Podcast, exploring the intersection of crime and entertainment. You can find us on Twitter, Killer Fun Pod, or you can send us an email, killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. I mean, seriously. So let's talk about who's returning and who is new? Okay. So Penn Bagley, obviously, reprising his role as Joe. He's our star. Oh, and um, a friend of mine sent me an article. And, you know, these are based off of books. Right. So uh-huh. You was a book. Uh, the second season is kind of loosely based on a book called Hidden Bodies. It's just not the same book? I thought it was the same book. I don't think it's the same book. I think it's a sequel. Oh, okay, but maybe the, but the same series. Yes. Okay, because I and thought the author was come the same. Out, yes, the author is the same. Okay. The same series. And she's come out and said, I think that she's got at least five books planned. Oh, yay! So we've got years to watch Joe's <sighs> antics. And usually I would say, oh, I want to read the book then. And I appreciate this author letting this come to screen because I can't imagine this any other way. <laughs> Yes. Well, and I guess the book differs. Uh, well, I'm sure it does. Yeah. I'm sure it there's does. Some, there's some things that change. But, you know, still, that's like the joy of being able to read a book and watch a show and see how they're different and how they're the same and kind of play with both and be able to enjoy both. Yep. So, uh, Amber Childers, she's Candace Stone. So she was... A little bit in season one, flashbacks, and then she shows up as the cliffhanger. Right. I mean, her story was well known in season one. I mean, they talked about Candace a lot, but Uh we only saw her a handful of times. Yes. Yeah. She was also in a bunch of small parts and other stuff, but she was on a single episode of Criminal Minds in 2016. Oh. I thought that was worth noting. It is worth noting. (laughs) Uh, Elizabeth Lale uh, played back. She appears briefly with no lines, no lines that she didn't have in the first season. Right. In this second season. Victoria Pedretti, 
is Love Quinn. And she played Nell Crane in The Haunting of Hill House. And that's really her only other big role that she's had. And if you like crimey, paranormal, a little sci-fi thriller, The Haunting of Hill House is amazing. Okay. It was so good. I might check it out because she's actually oh. somebody that I obviously had no... No. And if you hadn't watched The Haunting of Hill House, you wouldn't know who she right, was. Right. And I hadn't. So yeah. I didn't know her, but she was great. Uh, Jenna Ortega plays Ellie. Um, she was in kind of a lot of kid shows. She was a voice on Elena of Avalor and a star of a Disney Channel show called Stuck in the Middle. Um, but she, I was trying to figure out what I knew her from. She was young Jane and Jane the Virgin. Oh, okay. Which I watched like the first couple seasons of. And I was like, why does she look so familiar? I know her from the Disney show. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, my kids did never watch that one. But. I just, maybe we watched a few episodes and I think there was a lot of commercials for it on whatever mm. my kids were watching. Mm-hmm. So I remember her. Yeah. Yeah. She's adorable. Gosh, she's so cute. James Scully plays 40 Quinn, and he was also in the Heathers TV show as JD, which I didn't ever watch. I didn't watch that either. So he was also really good. Actually, the whole cast. Yeah. But yeah, 40 was good. good. And then Adwin Brown played Calvin. He was also in. Heather's with as Seth with James Scully. And then they're one of the friends that we meet later, one one half of the lesbian couple. Okay. Sunshine or something. I don't I don't remember I don't her remember name. She was also in Heather's. Oh. So there okay. was a whole group of these actors who were on Heather's who are now in this season of you, which I thought was interesting. Worth noting. Um, there was a review by Kelly Lawler in USA Today. And she said, you retains its thrills, chills, and thoughtful questions about masculinity, abusers, and modern relationships in the new episodes. And I'm like, spot on. Absolutely. I love it. On the nose. Yes. So, are we ready to recap this? Let's recap this. (laughs) A lot happens in this first episode, man. There's a whole lot going on. There was a whole lot going on. And I I have to, like, look at the recap to know where it ends because... I didn't feel like it ended. I just kept my eyes glued on the television. And thankfully, Netflix only takes about eight seconds to start the next one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's five on my, I don't know if you've updated the app recently, but it's five now in between. I'm like, that's perfect. Because if I'm like, my hands are busy and I'm like, you know, cooking or putting on makeup or whatever, I look down and I'm like, oh yeah, it's going to, Netflix has got me. But if you've got to turn it off, well, you better move. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But they don't want you to turn it off. And really that's why this show is really successful on Netflix because it's really, it's a, you want to binge it. Well, and it's interesting you say that because something I've thought about a lot with the entertainment world um, is that, you know, we go back and we watch these old shows like Friends or whatnot Mm -hmm. and listening to my like 14 year old look through them and some of the things he would say. And I'm like, you know what though, that Ross and Rachel story, it didn't feel so in your face when you had to wait a week to see it and you couldn't just binge it on repeat. 
And I was like, that was a show built for the weekly release. And, you know, and the same thing with maybe like older episodes of NCIS. And okay. like, I would say a lot of those, but then you get these one shows that don't do well on network because you can't stand away a week or you can't remember enough right. from one week to the next. And that's why those serial shows that do repeat have to repeat because they have to do a little resetting before they can, you know, spike the ball again. And these shows are made to binge right here. Like right. You. Well, uh-huh. and if you only have 10 episodes to tell the story, you can't spend the first 10 minutes of the episode telling us what you already told us. Right. So, but and you if just you do, it gets it in one yeah. big gulp though. It's great. Yeah. Oh yes. You know, and then you go back and you watch it again and again, uh-huh. because what did I miss? What are the interesting things anyway? All right. So let's get into the recap. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe is back on TV. He's in Los Angeles now, not in New York anymore. He starts by reminiscing over season one. I thought this was a really nice way to recap the first season, get you caught up if you weren't familiar with it, tell you what you need to know, but not be so recappy. Right. You know? A little less like, exposition. Yeah. So he says, I won her, talking about back in the old-fashioned way, which is evidently, you know, stalking and murder, because that's how he won back. Just, you know what? Courtship, right? Which evidently is. is. Stalking and murders courtship. Well, the stalking part. Okay, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember thinking, and we talked about it. We talked about how he was actually what a lot of women say they want. They want a guy who pays enough attention to them to find out what they like, to find out their routine enough to be able to you know, surprise them and just know them so well. We sort of want that a little bit and it's a little dangerous. It's a fine line. Yeah. It really is. It's a fine line between what's romantic and what's healthy. Well, how I met your mother said it best. You know, it's it's sexual harassment based on whether you think the guy is hot or not. Oh. Thanks, Barney. Yeah, <laughs> But you know, like a guy could come up and say something cheesy and kind of in your face and super crass. And if you are like attracted to this guy, you're going to be like, <laughs> you're stupid. Uh-huh. And you're going to go, aha, and your octave's uh-huh. going to raise about a, you know. Well. And then, but if he's like creepy, uh, sexual harassment, like get away from me. It's true, am I right? It It is true, but I think we're... You got to look at sexual harassment more of in a workplace and whether that behavior is appropriate, whether or not you find them attractive, is that behavior appropriate? So even if you find them attractive and you don't mind it, is that behavior appropriate in the workplace? Probably not. If the answer is no, then go out for drinks. Well, and that's where it's supposed to lead, right? But right. it starts with the little flirtatiousness, mm. right? Like my mom and dad met at work. At some point, things got flirtatious, enough for them to feel like, okay, all right, let's... And then my dad asked her out, right? But at some point, if she didn't like him, she could have been like, what's your problem? Yeah, that's true. Stop flirting with me. I don't like you. You haven't asked me out. And he's like, I'm just testing the waters. But the point was, she kind of liked it. And then that <laughs> went on until he invited her out. And then they got married and, and everything. And that's how it starts. So it's a little hard. It's, it's a fine line. I think the point walk. is, be flirtatious and just 
avoid, but stay classy. Yeah. If you, you if you're flirtatious and you stay classy, then there you leave space for the other person to give you the the, the slough the off go a ahead. little bit. Yeah. Or the go ahead. Yeah. Right. And you got to accept it if they advances aren't welcomed. Yeah. You have to accept it. Yeah. You have to. Accept I think it. that's where some people have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Beck rightfully. Didn't trust Joe. We see her finding a box with Candace's necklace in it. And then there's a glass box that they make a point to show in this recap that we kind of assumed were Candace's teeth. She drops this box and it breaks and there's a bunch of teeth in it. (laughs) And, you know, we learn in the season one cliffhanger that Candace is alive and we learn quickly in this episode that that wasn't a figment of Joe's very sick mind. So who the heck's teeth were those? Oh, there's more backstory that we do not have. We got, we get in this second season of you, we get a lot of Joe's backstory. We kind of understand more about why the way he, why he is the way he is. Yes. And I think a lot of people think that that's a kind of excusing his poor behavior. And I, I don't agree. I mean, we're not no. forgiving Joe the terrible things he's done. No. We're understanding maybe a little bit why Joe is the way he is and maybe wishing a little bit that he could be a little different. Well, and I think it starts in this episode that Joe begins to show you that he wants to be different. Yes. Than who he has been also, because he's looking at his past and reevaluating how he got to be who he is, and he's trying to say, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. But yes, he keeps telling us he doesn't want to be that way. And he keeps trying to not kill people. Yeah. <laughs> not hard enough. Trying. No, not hard enough. <laughs> not hard enough. So Joe hates LA, which makes it the perfect place for him to hide yeah fair um he says he's trying to get cash together i'm like so you go to la LA? like one of the most expensive cities in the entire country yeah to get cash together and you're you're gonna work in a grocery store to do it and you're gonna live in a pretty nice apartment complex to do it no maybe not no so joe is getting an apartment and we learned that he's going by the name of Will Bettelheim. He's not Joe currently. Uh, Delilah is the building manager, and she's relieved to see that he's not a creep because he wasn't on social media, and that was a big red flag to her. Um, The place is furnished because the last tenant left in a hurry. And I'm trying to figure out, there's nothing in the second season that tells us if there's a reason or what the reason is that that tenant left. And that's a question I'm left with. Nice catch. Is, did he have something to do with that tenant leaving? Because because he wanted a second floor apartment specifically. He He said it was, he told her it was because it was quieter. Right. We'll, we'll find out more in a minute. You'll find out more. We'll, we'll get there in just, just a minute or two. So Joe talks about detoxing from his old ways. He's got new sheets and a telescope. Who is this bastard and why is he lying to me? (laughs) So then we get a flashback. Candace 
has read Beck's book, and somehow she figured out that Joe was involved. I'm not exactly sure how she found out, but she did. It wasn't really very clear. She read the book. She obviously knows that the gig is up for Joe. Back in LA, Joe meets Ellie, the 15-year-old sister of Delilah, who's the building manager, um, and he's clearly fighting his urges for this minor, very Lolita sort of thing going on there. But, you know, he's pulled himself back. Joe heads to Averin, Nirvana spelled backwards. It's a very fancy grocery store. Can I just store. say, though, his whole monologue about L.A. and about the whole culture, and I was like... You're not wrong, man. No. And he gets there and he says, of course, it's Nirvana spelled backwards. <laughs> I was like, ah, ah, did you, you. Did you catch that that's a reference to season one? No, not really. Because the when Joe traps Beck in the glass box uh-huh. in the basement of the bookstore, she's wearing a Nirvana t-shirt. Oh, that's interesting. No, I totally forgot that. Easter egg for you. Easter egg. Yeah. Nice find. Mm. He probably won't get the job because it's a very sought after position in this grocery store because all the casting directors work there. But um, then he puts a copy of Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky on the desk and Calvin, who's interviewing him, is very interested and says, hey, we've got a job in the bookstore. We need you there because you read and you made me want to read this Russian author. Yes. Have you read Crime and Punishment? Not in its entirety. Okay. I read did it bits. not? Did it not grab you enough to pull you in for? I think maybe, maybe it's the topic or, or maybe it's the way that it's written. Of course, we're reading a translation. I don't read Russian. Um, right. I think it was something I kept. You don't read Russian? Yeah. <laughs> You don't say. I don't. Um, I think I rabbit trail a lot. Okay. It does get me thinking, like the little bits that I've read, but so often it has me thinking kind of, and I, I just couldn't stay engaged. Okay. Almost because it, it does just send me sort of, I almost need it on my Kindle. Can oh, I say that? Okay. Instead yeah. of reading, I think every time I've read it, it's been really in the context I'm studying something and then it kind of like, hey, this little snippet of the book. And okay. I don't know, it's really been involved with like social humanity papers and okay. things like that. Um, so I think if I had it on my Kindle and I was just clicking through, maybe yeah, I could stay maybe more I'm, engaged. Mm. But I usually, by the time I'm reading some kind of snippet, it's because I've been thinking about something else that brought me there. Okay. And then I can't stay engaged with it. Right. That's know. fair. That's fair. He sees a pretty girl in the produce department on his way out from his interview, and he's fighting his urges when she engages him to ask about a peach, which Mm is... um, Beck's best friend. Beck's best friend. He, It's very flirtatious. Does this look like a butt? (laughs) It's very... there's, There's so many levels where her asking about the peach and engaging him is it just works and yeah. you don't even have to really like think that hard about it i mean this is one of his murder victims she's into him it's all right there yeah and i'm like yes that's good that's some nice filmmaking right there he learns that her name is love and that she's in charge of the kitchen of the store 
which that the store has a kitchen says a lot about the type of grocery store that it is, I think. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. this is a higher end sort of place. It's a it's a destination. Yeah. 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 And so, we na- we find out her name. Yeah. Love. <laughs> pretentious. So pretentious. <laughs> so funny okay so vulture has a recap on here and it's really funny because the author is talking about this little scene and says literally named love i can effing not with this show (laughs) and then in parentheses i am delighted (laughs) yes 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 exactly exactly how does it work it's so on the nose and yet it feels good i have more. We'll talk about that in a minute. Ooh, ooh, I have, ooh. We'll, we'll get there. I'm so excited. There's a reason. Okay. Um, Joe's bored in the bookstore because this is not the kind of bookstore that he is used to working in. So he flashes back and we see him fleeing the restaurant where he was having the conversation with Candace out the window of the men's restroom. He's <laughs> running from her because he is terrified. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to kill her once and she didn't stay dead. And that's terrifying. And that's terrifying. Uh, A pompous guy in the bookstore snaps him out of his reverie. This is the son of the store owners, 40, who is Love's twin, which I don't think we find out until episode two. Yeah. But we're we're just going to spoil that a little bit for you. you. That's uh, Love and 40 are twins. Yeah. And 40, 40 is extra. Pompous is the nicest word I could come up with to describe him. He is extra. Yeah. Uh, Love brings some scones over to the register and then ends up following Joe back into the stockroom. She doesn't Uh, really uh, follow him back into the stockroom. This is him falling back into his ways of fantasizing about a woman. But then he stops himself and Uh says, how dare I create a picture of you that's not even possibly yeah, real. Yeah, an unattainable version of you, an impossible version of you. And I was yeah. like, I hate you. I appreciate that. I like <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a real like emotional roller coaster cuz I was like, really? Really do we have to do this? Really? And then I was like, <sighs> okay, but later that wouldn't have been really all that out of character. Well, no, it wouldn't have. <laughs> you learn not terribly long Not after. terribly. <laughs> but they weren't at work in a storeroom. Yes. And they hadn't just met. Yeah. So yes. Yes. The unattainable, impossible version is this idea that she is going to... Yeah, know, desire him so intently that... Yeah. 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 Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Joe goes to the DMV to get a Will Bettelheim driver's license... And he runs into Love, who's making a scene about having a translator available to somebody. And I can't figure out if this was him planning to see her there, or if she was planning to see him there, or if it was a coincidence. I can't figure out what's going on there's some- with their, there's, or if it's just like contrivance, it doesn't really feel contrived in the show. It doesn't it at the doesn't, moment. It doesn't, but it couldn't, it doesn't feel like either one of them necessarily planned it, but they're both 
kind of excited about it, but one of them totally could have planned it. There's a couple of flashbacks later where we see a little bit more of how he ends up where he was and how right. he chose, and they kind of flash the DMV. Oh, did, did so they? I must have missed I'm, that one. I'm of the ideal that... See, this is what happens when you binge, because... <laughs> and then it all <laughs> then gets you mushy. Miss things. Yeah, it all gets mushy, and you can't quite figure it out, and you I miss he, things. But I'm going to watch it again. It's clearly a save the cat moment, though. Yeah. Like, we, we get to see her do something amazing, and we invest in her, like, right away. Yeah. Because we see her being, like, a justice seeker, standing up for somebody else, and helping facilitate something and you know and it's really good because we know she's kind of a rich girl uh-huh. and we know that she's a little privileged and so to see her do something like that yeah gives use us her privilege yeah. for good yeah it gives us a little bit of a mm, yeah. a comfort level about her yeah yes so joe freaked out when ellie was filming him from the rooftop and he confronted her and broke her phone so he replaces her phone And then she gives him advice on having an authentic social media feed because love has all of her social media locked down. Unlike Beck, who was stupid in (laughs) season one and put everything where she was all the time out there in the public for everybody to see. And, and no curtains. Can we just go back for a minute? (laughs) Beck, you can buy curtains online for pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Just curtains. Or foil <laughs> i mean you can't afford you can afford a roll of foil or just you know what just some like tent some one-way tent something something i mean like anything girl curtains <laughs> curtains Girl. so yes whereas beck was kind of an open book love is less so she's a little more careful about things so she if is. joe wants to get to know Love on the social media. He's got to have some social media. But can I say that Ellie's advice not half bad? Like, I learned a few things. Oh, yeah. I did learn a few things. Uh, yeah. Hashtags make you thirsty. I'm still going to use hashtags on <laughs> Killer Fun because uh, I'm thirsty. I'm just going to I'm just going to say it. I like it. But yeah. I liked her idea of, like, how to snap the pictures right and things. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, maybe I can do IG. Like... Maybe I can uh-huh. be better at the Insta because I'm I'm not so. But now yeah. I kind of get it. Like, you have a thing. You have a this thing. This is why I like Twitter. Do you want to hear the rest of our discussion about social media tips and tricks and things that made us think in this episode? Join us next week for our bonus episode. It has that and so much more. There's a ton more of this conversation that you are absolutely going to want to hear. All right. right, So where are we in this episode? Really? So Joe (laughs) sends a friend request to love and then falls asleep in the park. And he wakes up to an accepted friend request. The knowledge that love's relationship status on Facebook is married and a Terrible sunburn. Terrible sunburn. (laughs) And Love comes over to his apartment with apple cider vinegar because he's a rookie with a sunburn, which I'm like, fair. Fair. Somebody who lives in Texas, I've known rookies with sunburns. Oh, my husband was a rookie with a sunburn. (gasps) He grew up in Connecticut. Yeah. And And then he came down to South Georgia. And then we went to Florida on vacation. And he busted out some like five SPF. And I was like, no, sir, no, sir. You're going to, 
I spent my whole life at the beach, a beach in New England on the Long Island Sound. This is not the same sun that you grew up with. No. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. Oh, and he hurt. I bet oh, he hurt sun so poisoning. much. It was yeah. Bad. Oh. He still has the freckles. No. From the from the so burn. Enduring. Oh, yeah. I have some of those. I had a bad batch of sunscreen and <gasps> oh. oh they sent the the company that I bought it from, they felt so bad. I contacted them and they were like, We're so sorry. We thought we got everybody. And they sent me probably four hundred dollars worth of product as an apology. <laughs> I was like, okay. I don't know that that really covers the enhanced risk of skin cancer, but <laughs> It was a nice gesture. Anyway, so she comes over with the apple cider vinegar, treats him, then berates him for having ramen (laughs) and takes him to a bunch of restaurants. And they're looking for the perfect bite of food. She wants to know him by knowing what his perfect bite of food is. And she ends up cooking for him. She's on the prowl. Oh, she is hot to trot to use a term from <laughs> golden girls era <laughs> it's true I, she is she is all about this guy going everywhere and i'm like that is the perfect date uh-huh. maybe i like her <laughs> <laughs> you want to know me by dragging me and uh-huh. having me have little and plates from me? everywhere and then cooking for me oh i'm there for it sister and after she cooks for him, she admits that she's widowed mm-hmm. f- from a mysterious illness that took her husband. Yeah. I'm not going to go into all that just at the moment. Joe returns home late to find Ellie painting her nails. And she makes a big Lebowski reference, which she I'm does. like, she's 15. She's too young to. But she's also uh, a yeah. bit of a film Geek. fanatic. Yes. Yes, for sure. And then we learned that someone named Jasper came looking for Will. Joe heads to the Lock of Fame storage. Like Walk of Fame, but it's the Lock of Fame. L.A. (laughs) Uh, Where Joe has a really gigantic unit for somebody who's trying to save money. He sure is spending a lot of it on a nice apartment and in enormous storage unit in Los Angeles. And uh, lo and behold, it is a giant plexiglass box, just like the one that was in the basement of the bookstore, because, you know, evidently he uh, took his backpack and the plans for that sort of thing with him when he fled New York City. And the real Will Bettelheim is inside. Then we learn that uh, Joe really has been lying to us. We learned that he saw love just as he got to Los Angeles and surreptitiously learned that the bookstore was having a hard time moving stock of crime and punishment. And that despite what he told us in the produce section earlier, he always intended to get close to love. Yep. He just wanted to do it the, uh, quote, right way this time. He's a creep. He's a creep. He's a creep. And his preference for the second floor apartment, it was because he has a view of Love's apartment through his telescope. So much for trying to break the old habits. Yep. But only 10 minutes a day. Creepo. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about all the different stuff we talk about. Is it true? Psychology? Real life? All that good stuff coming right up after the break. 
Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is the Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week, we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it, whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before, and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. Welcome, travelers, to the mundane and the arcane, a 5e D&D podcast. I'm Matt, the Dungeon Master, for our new campaign. Uh, I'm Deacon Bishop, and uh, I like to party. I'm Grognag Vegan Smith, and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm Zenko, and I cast Guiding Light. Come join our party as they explore the river town of Tristolin, fight threats like magical crabs, and rob stores such as Bards and Nobles. We release bi-weekly. Now everyone, I'd like you to roll initiative. Alright, thanks for sticking with us through that quick break. Is it true? Why do Love and Forty have such weird, pompous names? <laughs> because they do. But they're tennis terms. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so oh. this this will make a whole lot of sense. if Once you watch the rest of the series, if you haven't already watched it, if you have watched it, you'd be like, oh, my gosh. So love, it's sweet, but it also means zero. It means zero. Which, when you look at her relationship with her parents, there's a, it makes so much sense that they both love her. And they think of her as zero. And 40 is right before you win. And they obviously have a preference for their son, 40. 40 love. Oh. (laughs) Just wait, I have to just. uh Uh Uh-huh. I, it didn't, uh, because I'm not a tennis player. Mm. This did not occur to me. I had to look it up. But yeah. But now that you say that, I mean, I've had enough experience with a tennis court to. Because I've usually been love. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Um, Oh, my gosh. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Doesn't it make a lot of sense? So what, you know, you thought was like rich people giving their kids pretentious names. Yeah. Yet you're not wrong, but they just have another level of meaning. I'm just, I'm so like sad for her now. You don't need to be that sad for her. (laughs) Well, I mean... (laughs) Oh, a name means a lot. Like it what it you does. Name it does. Person. But love is such a, a sweet name. And unfortunately, she kind of took on the characteristics or her parents took on the characteristics, gave her the characteristics of love as a tennis term rather mm-hmm. than love as the sweet name I'm giving my baby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so proclaimed. <laughs> You don't have to be that for clump for love. <laughs> Keep watching. It's, it's true. You're not wrong, but. <laughs> so does apple cider vinegar help with the sunburn? I can't imagine this is true. Okay. So really it's kind of anecdotal. Okay. And everywhere says that you should dilute it, which is not something that love did I don't think so in this episode because it can cause its own burn yeah. if it's not diluted well and maybe it's like a try it in a small spot first see 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more of an anecdotal, very woo woo, vegan. What is it? Pescatarian is something that they talk about oh, in the yeah, show a lot. That's like right. pescatarians, you shop well, why there. Not aloe. Well, that's aloe actually is from a plant. That's what doctors recommend. Yeah, they say use some kind of uh, moisturizer, aloe. Uh, hydrocortisone. Yeah. Those those are the things that are really going to help you And out. I keep aloe in the fridge over oh, the summer. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's really nice. But I will say the other thing that I do for a sunburn is uh, get into a strongly hot shower. Really? Oh, oh, it burns so bad at first. But then it like burns it out and then oh, you're done. Really? Get, do it, burn it out, right? And then, and then put the aloe on and it's like, ah, mm. done. They used to have an aloe with a like an analgesic in it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they do. It, it's not as strong as it used to be. It's it not used as strong. To be, as it, used to be. it used to be. Uh-huh. You get this stuff, and you were just like, oh. and it was blue instead of <laughs> yeah. green, and I loved it. And they don't make the blue kind anymore because I have they, the blue kind. I do, but oh. I doubt it's as strong as it was. Okay, it, yeah, I doubt it. I have found the yes, some that have that in it as well, but it's but not, I think it just right. doesn't work like it did. Something is different about it. Yeah. It's just not the same. Yeah. But I do have that. I, you know, you can always just go get some Neosporin if, right. you're, if you're not opposed to medicinal sorts of help. Um, then I'm not. get some, I'm not either. Get some Neosporin and put it on the really bad spots oh. because if it's going to blister, you're going to want that kind of antibiotic okay. on it anyways. Right. And keep it antiseptic because the last thing you want is for one of those things to get infected. Oh. And um, no. Yes. Yeah, bad, 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 bad. Is not being on social media a red flag? Yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. It kind of depends on who you are and what's the reason behind your choice. Mm-hmm. So this was an article called Ask Polly in New York Magazine. And she said it's making an off-trend choice. is the same thing as being ahead of the time. So because this lady was asking, she said she was, it harmed her anxiety to be on social media. She went through a breakup and I'm, is your absence from social media helpful to your anxiety or is it a product of your anxiety? Why can't it be both? I'm like, Polly, that's insightful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so, you know, that's fine. But of course the person asking Polly, this is a woman for a man. We have, Dear Lizzie on Barstool Sports, somebody asked, is it the pressure of not being able to stalk the guy prior to going out with him to see his lifestyle to know what you're getting into? Or is it more along the lines of dating someone for their followers? So like as a social climbing thing. And she says that it doesn't bother her particularly, but she talked to her friend coincidentally named Ellie who was the, you know, guru, 15-year-old guru of social media helping Joe. She said she asked her friend, she said, I'm not properly equipped to answer your question, so here's what my friend Ellie had to say on the matter. Not having any social media whatsoever is a red flag. What is he hiding? 
Is that even his real name? Does he have a secret Instagram account where he posts pictures of his girlfriend, his wife, his second family? And I'm like, there. That's it. That's, that's it. I, w- I want to know that you're a real human being, that you're not hiding something from me. Right. And isn't that funny that we have to go into the social to, to look at that? Even in like advertising. Okay. So we used to advertise things like, oh, look, I'm on Facebook. Find us on Facebook. Uh-huh. Now it's like, you don't advertise that you're on Facebook because that should be expected. Right. Everybody's on Facebook. It's just another level of real estate and we all have to sort of be there. It's really the yellow pages. Like if you're not in the phone book, if your business isn't in the phone book, you don't advertise we're in the yellow pages. And they used to way yeah. back, but then they stopped because it was like, well, of course Everybody's we're in the yellow in the pages because that's just how it works. But now Facebook is the yellow pages, so we don't need to advertise unless there's something we're sending them to specifically. You say, uh, okay, this thing is on our Facebook. Go find it. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we're really pointing to content, not our existence. Right. And that's really how kind of this is the book. And you don't have to be super active, but you no. have to like be there to not look weird. Yeah. I mean, and really only because now we know so many men are creepy like Joe. I mean, yeah. he is the exception. Uh, yeah, most he's men not, are not that creepy. So he's an amped up version of what we're afraid of. Right. He's the boogeyman. He's the boogeyman. But the boogeyman's based on something. Yeah. And there's a reason why we want to kind of make sure that you are who you say you are, that mm-hmm. you're real and not fictionalized. No, obviously you can fake all of that stuff. That's the thing. You can still fake it all, you know, but it gives you something to start with. It does. And yeah. It's a little, uh, double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. All right. Psychology. So what is stalking? Let's talk about what stalking is. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> it's frequent unwanted contact. It's Driving past the victim's home or workplace. I did that as a teenager. I may have been a little bit of a stalker. I think all teenagers (laughs) are a little bit of a stalker. I think so. Following, watching, or loitering near the victim. Joe. (laughs) Joe. In his invisibility hat. (laughs) He puts on that dang hat and nobody can recognize him. He's like freaking Superman. I know. With his blue hat. It's so funny. It is funny. And I love that he's got the same hat in both seasons. Well, Dexter has the same outfit for like years. Yeah. Buy a new brown shirt, man. <laughs> like, no, but that one's got all the memories in it and a little bit of blood too. <laughs> uh, sending letters or unwanted gifts. The gifts may have a sinister meaning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Damaging property burglary or robbery or breaking into their home or workplace. Check, check, check. Joe does all of those. Gathering information on the victim by contacting people who know the victim or using public records. Okay, so who hasn't looked up somebody on the internet? Again, it's a fine line. It is. It's a bit of a fine... I mean, here we go. If you're stealing underwear... No, gross. That's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) If you're if you're kind of doing a bit of a background check on a person you don't know, yeah, because you're about to go on a date or something, and in today's age, maybe that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Maybe. I don't know. I it's it's. Oh. I I, I, I it, some of this makes me feel a little bad about myself because there are some people that I've like. Well, I wonder what they're up to, and I don't wish them harm, but I'm kind of curious as to what they're up to. But I don't really want to talk to them, right? And maybe that's a little bit of stalking behavior. Well, that's social media like voyeurism. Yes, but it's out there, so it's like okay, well. I, that is hard. You bring up a good point. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's, it's causing a little introspection here. Uh, harassment of others close to the victim or assault of the victim. Well, that, I yeah. think that's kind of like a given. The loitering, though, I don't know. I mean, I hear it. I see it. But again, it's like, well, that could go down a bad path. But on the other hand... Didn't we all sort of position ourselves in the hallway just so when that person walked by, you could see them, Uh huh. you know, maybe catch their attention? Or maybe, yeah. Or so that you could be seen. Yes. I mean, this is what we do. Or at least what we did in high school in the 90s. I think they still do it. (laughs) Don't they still do it? I don't know. Probably. It's just now they're positioning themselves on Instagram in a (laughs) place that they can be seen. It's easy to spot a stalker, right? I mean, right? Like Once it's too late. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when we don't have the voiceover of Joe, it's easy to tell that he's a creepazoid, right? (laughs) That is the most awkward thing ever. He watched a little video of parts of season two of You without Joe's voiceover. And... All I can say is it must have been super awkward to film it because you know that he's like thinking the lines of the voiceover in his head and that's how you're getting the pause. And he does, he does a really good job of acting with his facial expressions. Oh, better than I realized Uh actually. But it's super uncomfortable. (laughs) But kudos to the other actors because for not letting on Stellar. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't act like it was uncomfortable. No, no, not at all. But surely we would, you know, spot them. No, Michelle Gallietta is a clinician and psychologist and psychology professor at City University in New York, and she said there's no such thing as a typical stalker that they can fall under a variety of psychotic disorder diagnoses. Personality disorder, like narcissistic personality disorder, uh, delusional disorders, erotomania, which is what the uh, lady who stalked David Letterman had. She, she Hers was like a legitimate disorder. Or like, you know, maybe not anything. Not anything. Just got weird and obsessed. and You don't necessarily have to have a psychological disorder to be a stalker. Um But the Center for Disease Control and Prevention said that 80% of stalking survivors did know their stalker in some way prior to being stalked by them. They were acquaintance, a former partner. It just turned weird. Yeah. Or they have an issue. And as she mentioned, representations of unhealthy dynamics in pop culture can blur our understanding the the difference between romantic persistence and threatening obsession it is hard to tell it is hard we think that's what we want we want somebody who's going to willing to take the time 
to get to know us. We want that. And yet it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous. And Joe sees himself as a romantic. He says it in the first season and the second season later on. Romantic men have the, are afflicted with this. Romantic men are this way. It's hard to be a romantic man. Yeah. He has a hopeless romantic martyr syndrome yeah. <laughs> almost, you know? And it's hard to tell because how do we say this? It is the fruit looks the same, but the root is kind of different. And you can only tell when you bite into it. Ooh, ooh, you know? that's interesting. And so that's the problem. And there is a there is a level of consent and respect that has to be a part of that root that makes that a nice gesture, a nice romanticism, healthy, yeah. not toxic. It has to come from a place that's healthy. And that's what's so hard about the whole thing, because we often don't recognize in ourselves that lack of respect because we can right. rationalize and justify, which is what he's doing. Yes. He's rationalizing and justifying and the whole time. Right. And, and so, he's unable or unwilling to see that what he's doing is really a form of abuse. Right. Yeah. And he has flashes of it through the season yeah. where he goes, oh my God, is this who I am? Yeah. Right. And then, and then he kind of, oh no, 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 no. no this is, that's not really true, yeah. but it's, that's where it comes from. There's a stalking risk profile and they reiterate that stalking behavior is not a mental disorder. A significant minority of cases, it results from psychotic symptoms. The stalking behavior will go away when you treat the psychological disorder. Fair. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a larger portion of stalkers, they do have a mental disorder that may contribute to the starting of the stalking or the severity of it, but they're not directly linked. Right. Yeah. There, it's more like they have both of these, they're doing both of these things, but not it's not, one's not necessarily causing the other. Right. It's part of that mixed bag that happens with a lot of these disorders. I mean, mental disorders and psychological disorders, it's hard because, you know, you can also have just errors in thinking that aren't necessarily a disorder, but you've been taught wrong. You have a different framework. For instance, what Joe continues to explore in the rest of the season is his idea of, oh, what if my framework for all this is wrong? You know, he kind of gets there mm -hmm. where he's thinking about, well, what if I was taught wrong? What if I didn't do this? Or what if I had had this? What if I have turned out this way? And, you know, we all have to do that. We all have to assess and go, you know, I didn't get this right. You <laughs> That's know? exactly the third group <laughs> oh, on, on yeah. this stalking and mental illness is Perfect. that, yeah, is exactly that. Just what you said, that they have, they were taught wrong, basically, that they have bad ideas about what a healthy relationship looks like. And talk about social media, how much that reinforces it. Uh-huh. If you have a bad framework for relationships today, social media does not help. No, no. <laughs> it really doesn't. It hardly helps at all. Yeah. And it's really easy to get a bad framework if you don't have good examples or if you're not able to see the troubles and the bad examples, which not everybody can. I mean, some people can learn from, you know, my parents mismanaged money. And so they're really good with money because they saw how detrimental it was to the family mm -hmm. when their parents mismanaged money. 
some people are able to do that. Um, more often than not, people end up also being poor managers of money because their parents never set a good example for them. Relationships are kind of the same way. It is. And I think what makes it hard is that people who have some maybe errant thinking about it or some bad frameworks still have a framework that they think is right. That's the problem. And even if you see that, okay, well, they have a, a poor record with money, like this example that we're talking about, if they Mm -hmm. have a poor example set with money in front of them, they might learn the wrong lesson. They might learn that the problem is money, not the way that they handled it. Right. And so the, it's not that they don't realize there's a problem, but they assess it incorrectly instead of saying, Oh, you know what? They mismanaged this or they made these choices. And if I make these choices, I could do different. What they learn is, Money is bad, and so they make they overcorrect in the wrong direction. Right. So they're trying. They get that there's something wrong, but they don't know how to rebuild it. Right. So let's play identify the stalker. <laughs> <laughs> An article from the Telegraph that's got uh, the five most common types of stalker. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. So we have the rejected stalker. of victims know their stalker. The most common is the ex-intimate rejected stalker. And these perpetrators have a relationship, often controlling and abusive in nature with the victim. Okay. Joe is more like a rejected stalker when it comes to Candace, because she told him at one point that she didn't love him and never had, and that's why she was cheating on him and all this stuff. So he, he had stalkery troubling tendencies in that relationship prior to that, but he also continued that relationship in a way that was rejected. So, but his relationship with Beck and love are not this. Not so much. Yeah. You have the love obsessional stalker. These stalkers are relatively common and tend to be a casual acquaintance and they desire a relationship with their victim and are persistent in pursuing that even if the victim's not receptive. Mm -hmm. I would say they're pretty receptive to Joe. Oh yeah. (laughs) Because you know, he's cute. There's way too many sex scenes in this thing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's cute and he's smart and he there, you know, there's, he's not being rejected by these people, but he's definitely coming into their orbit already with a goal in mind. A lot of goal. (laughs) Yes. Then we have the grudge stalker. These stalkers are also relatively common and they kind of overlap with the rejected and they believe that they've been a victim of injustice or motivated by retribution in some way. Okay. Maybe a little. A little in this in the season as as he seeks out Candace. Yeah. It changes a little bit. Yeah. Then we have the Rotomaniac, which is this one's relatively rare because it is a legitimate psychological disorder where they believe that their victim is already in love with them. Right. Is okay. Question. Yeah. What about the idea that they are creating in their head? 
attributes of the relationship that don't actually exist. Yes, that's exactly it. Right? But they do have a little bit of a relationship. Oh. But, but they've grown it. Yeah. And they have different goals and expectations they haven't been really honest about, <laughs> either to themselves or others. Yeah. Right? Like, so Joe really has a goal in mind. He wants somebody to change him. Yeah. He wants somebody to rescue him, to make him better, to make him perfect. He needs salvation. He needs salvation. And he's going into these things not because he loves these people, but because he thinks that these people will love him out of his misery. Right? So that's a goal that he's not being honest about. And their entire relationship is growing. And he's continuing to say, oh, the more you do this, the more I'm going to become a better man. And I'm going to be better for you. And it's be you are that making me better. There's a whole actually relationship going on there that like the girl's not a part of. She has no idea that he is so invested wow. in her because he thinks that she is helping him. Right. And that's her, why... By virtue of her goodness, she is right. changing him in a way that he would like to be changed, even though she's not. She's not actively participating in it. And it's not like a... Uh, uh, it's not like a, just a self-actualization or I want to be with somebody who makes me a better person or makes me want to be a better person. Well, this is that's like, fine. That's fine. But like, this is, aha, you, I will become better for you because in doing so, I will be perfect like you are perfect. Oh, I'm putting them on a pedestal. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. I had I had thought that Joe was not this form of psychosis, but perhaps he is. I think perhaps he might be. He's got layers of things. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is layered. He's like an onion. <laughs> delicious in some ways and absolutely off-putting makes in you a lot of ways. <laughs> makes you cry. And then finally, the predator. They stalk in preparation for sexual assault. Usually women or children are the target, and they spend a lot of time information gathering. I mean, I don't know that Joe necessarily wants to assault these women, mm -hmm. but he does spend a lot of time making sure that he's done the work to get them to accept him. Yep. And... Oh, he treats these, these women are, like, like literally his Jesus. Yeah. I've done the work. I'm doing the work. Like he has like a quiet time, 10 minutes a day so he can stalk them and make sure he's ready to come into their sanctuary and be as good as they, he thinks that they, he, they want him to be. And yeah. That they're going to make him perfect by him doing all of the checkboxy things. And it's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. You know, I think Joe might like a hobby of doing escape rooms. Because it seems like he wants to figure out the puzzles yeah, to get to the object or to get out of the self-imposed prison. Like, yeah. I think he would be better off, like, doing escape rooms. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people would be better <laughs> off, you know? Like, he talks about it later in the series. He talks about, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't always so good at the gray, I used to be very black and white, but you're making me better in the gray areas. Until the end of the season when yeah. he can't accept the gray. He can't accept the That's gray. That's as close as I'm getting to a spoiler for <laughs> that bit of it. So then real life. So in the course of making this podcast, I have Googled a lot of strange things. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I, can't, I can't become a criminal because my search history is quite damning. Mm -hmm. 
I just hope that somebody in the NSA went, what is she Googling? And then went, I'm going to listen to that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're a listener who came to us because my search history was troubling. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah, we're glad you're here and you don't have to out yourself. <laughs> but I Googled, is there a good reason for someone to have a box of teeth? Because I just can't let this box of teeth from the first season that they showed us at the beginning of the first episode go. And let me tell you what came up is baby teeth. Well, of course, baby teeth. Well, uh, these weren't baby teeth. But they weren't baby teeth. (laughs) They weren't baby teeth. They had roots and were extremely troubling looking. But evidently, you can pay quite a lot of money to preserve baby teeth with a little bit of tissue that's in them has some stem cells. Okay. So theoretically they're similar to like saving cord blood and things like that from embryonic. Those are embryonic stem cells that can become all different types, types of cells within a body. So if you save the blood from the umbilical cord Mm -hmm. of the baby, you could potentially use it if they had a life-threatening illness, leukemia, or some kind of autoimmune disorder. You could help treat that with those cells Mm -hmm. later in their life. Theoretically, if you didn't do that, theoretically, you could do that with your children's baby teeth Hmm. as they fall out, but they have to be preserved just in the right way. And the science behind it's not really very good there. You know, they have to come up with ways that they're not yet very good at of replicating those cells to have enough to be able to do anything with them. And that's true of cord blood as well. Uh, Yeah. So, but that was the, that was really the only thing that I came up with. That well, was good. Like, <laughs> Cause that's scary. And I w- I'd be nervous about what Google could tell you. So this is a good news. Yeah. I mean, and it was all like advertisements for places, the, the tooth bank and store a tooth and stem save that, and it's expensive. It's like 500 to $1,800 for the initial storage. And then over a hundred dollars a year to maintain that. Wow. It's expensive. It's not an inexpensive thing to do. So it was, but I wonder if donating, if there's somebody who, who takes donations so that they continue to work because you know, the cord blood thing, there is a haplo uh, yeah. transplant and you know, where you get uh, some from a donor and some from cord blood so that hopefully it raises the effectiveness of the donor cells when you mix them with the cord blood. And so, and that's actually becoming more and more common, but of course in the beginning it was, you know, we don't know what we're doing yet. And right. You know? Yeah. Well, we actually saved my son's cord blood. Mm -hmm. We did the preservation thing and really, I mean, he's 15 now, so it's really beyond its useful Oh, really? They don't save it for longer? Well, they do save it, but the longer that it remains preserved, the less effective that it is. And it's old enough now that it's not, it really wouldn't be helpful for him. But I had a, my brother passed away of childhood leukemia. And so when I was pregnant with him, of course, that was something that was on your mind. On our mind. And so we spent all this money to do it. I almost wish I hadn't done it now. Knowing what I know now is probably wouldn't have been helpful even if something had happened. 
doesn't matter really. I mean, it gave us peace of mind. It was worth the money at the time, right. I guess, but right. Well, and I think you can, you can, you preserve and also allow it for donation too. So if an adult has yeah. a leukemia or like my husband had aplastic anemia or, you know, right. Fanconia anemia, you know, that they can then maybe take that cord blood and then use it with a donor. And right. You know, sometimes they mix the cord blood it. with a person's own cells right. and then they, so that can yeah. be helpful. Yeah. So, uh, Averin is not a real grocery store, but it is based on a real grocery store. Okay. Averin. Averin? Wait, a Anaverin, right? Anaverin. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Anaverin is Nirvana spelled backwards. And it's based on a very fancy grocery store called Erwan, which is kind of nowhere spelled backwards. Except they switch the W and the H, which bothers me a lot. I'm like, if you're going to name it nowhere backwards, name it nowhere backwards. Right. Like, like just spell do it. it. Spell it right. But first, it, evidently, it's from some kind of book, I guess. But it's a health food pioneer. Uh, according to its website, it sells only the purest, ethically and sustainably produced foods, wellness, beauty products, and household items. Well, and he, Joe, makes uh-huh. a joke about this in the show. Yeah. He sees an Averin and makes the joke and says, what, if the, what is this? A, what is it called again? The Nowhere yeah. Store? Um, oh, uh, Erewhon. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he says, is this supposed to be a parody of Erewhon? Oh. Doesn't he say that? I didn't that? even know that. Yeah. Well, it's based on it. And it's like a fancier Whole Foods, if you can imagine that. Oh, Okay. Somebody said on Yelp that Erewhon is like Whole Foods' rich cousin. And if Whole Foods is whole paycheck, you know, some people call it whole paycheck, Erewhon is whole bank account. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Maybe Joe doesn't say it. Maybe that's something I read somebody else say. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe strike that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it's interesting that it was... Based, based on something. Which doesn't surprise me at all. No. Not at all. Not at all. It very much seems like the kind of thing that, you know, people with uh, either a lot of money or desire to have a lot of money want to go there and, you know, they want to have their Erewhon or an Averin. Yeah, their eco-friendly bags that they can put over their shoulder and look at me and I'm, you know, I'm so health conscious and you better be skinny. Yeah, right? (laughs) I mean, they all are. Well, they can probably afford to buy three things, so that's how you stay on a diet. Yeah, you can't afford to spend more. You shop at something uber expensive and Uh you gotta be picky. All right, and that's all I have. Oh, wow. This this is such a good series. I'm really impressed. It's so much fun. It's so creepy and also smart yeah it's like really smart it is smart which was i okay can i be honest go for it when it first started and some of these characters the new characters kind of plopped on the screen i was kind of like i don't know oh because they weren't smart enough well it's there's just something about the way that they were portraying them that i think was the director's intention but i was kind of like uh and I think I realized that immediately that I was put off, but I resonated with Joe. Yeah. Joe was so put off by this 
Oh, all this anavrin kind of, Yeah, the pomp and circumstance that's so inauthentic. Yeah, Yeah. the fact that LA looks like a disaster zone, but that is what makes it beautiful for pictures. And so he's walking down this road, which is full of graffiti and awful and trashy, and it's scary, and you would not want to be there at night, except that it's got great neon lights and really cool walls. And so there's all kinds of photography and artistry happening, but it looks that way because it's not well maintained and not well kept. And that's exactly what lends the, the edginess to the photos. And he's commenting all this and the characters themselves are just so extra. And I realize, okay, I am resonating with Joe, you know, like I, I realize that this is gives you purposeful. a little pause, doesn't it? It does. This and I'm like, show- the director was sneaky with yeah. this. Well, this show really does a good job of, Having you kind of root for Joe to change. Yeah. You know, you can, we all have things that we'd like to change about us. Hopefully they're less homicidal than (laughs) Joe's issues. Quote of the day. Okay. (laughs) That's Christy's quote of the day day. that's going on Facebook. Let's hope that we have less homicidal issues than Joe. But we all have issues Mm -hmm. and we'd all like to be better people. We all, you know, this is why New Year's resolutions are a thing. Right. Because people, you know, I'm not who I'd like to be. Here's, let me try this thing and see if I can get to be who I want to be. Here's here's another quote. You're never going to be, you're never going to make it. You're never going to get there. You're never going to be the person you want to be. And the, the journey is the part of it. That's the part of it. Yeah, I actually is, would be more scared if you were who you wanted to be and didn't have any need to change. I'd be oh, a little bit that's more. that's a narcissist. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like literally a psychological disorder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's nothing you'd like to change about yourself. Then, if you think you actually have it all figured out, you know. Yeah. You, you have a psychological disorder. Yes. You, you need help if you've got it all figured out. So if you're a hot mess, congratulations. <laughs> We're so happy for you. You're a hot mess. Welcome to the journey. Yes. We invite you to join us on ours. Yeah. Mm. There was an article too. I only read a little brief little bit of it where Joe Bagley says that the show, you, is how far we're willing to go to forgive a white man of his flaws and I I kind of mm. disagree with that a little bit because I don't forgive Joe his homicidal tendencies. I don't. Just because I find it fascinating and interesting and I enjoy watching the trials and tribulations of this fictional character does not mean that I give him a pass in any way. He is a reprehensible character. Yes. Yeah, I'd have to sit with that. I, you know, but I don't, I think they, I'm not, I'm not really rooting for Joe to get away. The only only reason I'm rooting for him to get away is because I want another season, (laughs) but it's not because I think that he deserves to change and not have any responsibility held. Yeah. But I, I think it does beg the question that if Joe Bagley was a, what is it? What is it? Wait, wait, what's his name? Joe Goldberg. That's the, yeah. Penn Bagley is the actor. If Joe Goldberg, did I, did I say Joe Bagley? 
I don't know. Oh, I think you did, maybe. I, I think I did. I think I confused us. Anyway, anyway. Um, I think if Joe was a black man oh. who had these tendencies, would we have the patience even to watch him go through this inner monologue, patience to watch him throughout two, two seasons and find out more about his childhood? That's fair. Or would we just say, you know what? We all had a bad childhood. Fix it. Yeah. Would it be a story we'd want to engage with? I don't know. So like on the one hand, I don't forgive him his trespasses in that I don't think he should be brought to justice, but I am interested in his process and in the mind stuff. Uh And yet I can see how somebody might ask the question, like if he was a minority or if he wasn't just a white man, even what if he's a girl, which we're, you know, we kind Uh of, you know, what if he was a girl? Yeah. We get a little taste of that kind of thing, but I mean, are we willing to watch that unfold? Hmm. That's interesting. But what if he wasn't hot? (laughs) Yeah. If he wasn't hot, we wouldn't That would be the nail in my coffin. Like if I thought like he wasn't hot and I wasn't at all like, oh, he's cute. Let's see what happens here. If I was like, ooh, yeah, I don't know that I'd care. I'd be like, go to jail. Yeah. (laughs) No, go to jail. Well, I think Joe should go to jail. I think he should too, but I wouldn't watch the story either. Joe, yeah, <laughs> go to jail, throw away the key. Except then I don't get another season, and I kind of yeah, really exactly. want another season because it's so smartly written. It is really and gold. well Good. acted and filmed in an interesting, beautiful way. It is. Well, you know what? I'd be interested to know, and maybe our listeners out there can go and post on the social for us. I'd be interested to know what are the stats about uh, white males. And stalking versus others, huh. other, you know, cultures and other minorities and genders. And I would just say, like, what is that? Like, are we looking at something that maybe we're okay with watching it because it's a little bit more typical uh-huh. versus seeing something? I don't know. I don't know either. I wonder what that is. Because hmm. if I think of a stalker, I think of a white male. In his 20s or 30s? Yeah. Probably... Looking at a woman who's a little younger than him, yeah, because it's not a woman who's older than him, unless for sure. it's Jodie Foster. <laughs> Wasn't she older than he? I want to remember. I think she, I think she was older than him. Okay, anyway, um, unless you're famous, or- unless you're famous, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that's, a- that's a whole other thing. But like, I think of a white male. Yeah, like you said, stalking somebody who's a little a little younger. Uh huh. Maybe somebody who's a little awkward, mm-hmm. like a, a man, a white guy who's a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Joe's not unawkward until you don't see his inner monologue. Oh, woo, <laughs> man! <laughs> that the the acting on these people to not like be like, are you gonna answer? Yeah. Come on, man! No, don't you have anything to say? You got a lot going on in your face for nothing to be coming out of your mouth, man. All right. So next time. (laughs) Next time. Next time we're going to look at another uh, dysfunctional relationship. Uh, Dirty John. So this is on Netflix. It was a podcast also that was excellent. It's a really great podcast if you're like need something to listen to in the car or whatever. It's really good if you want to watch it played out in a fictional version before you Netflix. We're going to watch the first episode that's on Netflix 
And, but it's a true story. This I'm is, excited to dive into this. It's fascinating. And I think it's going to be an interesting one for us to cover. Okay. Well, join us while oh we uh, cover Dirty John then and yeah. go watch the first episode at least and join us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, good luck watching just the first episode. <laughs> kind of like you. Good luck watching good luck. just good luck watching just one because it's like Lay's potato chips. You got to eat more than you. But well, once you, or pop no, that, that, that was Pringles. That was Pringles. Once can't you pop, you can't. Yeah. Once you pop, you can't stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm age. So we're going to go. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks for joining us. We know that you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio. We so appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And we'll see you next time. Bum, 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 bum,